Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, <laughs> Happy New Year, first of all. Ooh, Happy New Year. Today, we are doing something I think is a new fun thing. <laughs> but that's because it was my idea. Yeah, I think uh, it's a super fun new thing. Okay, we're doing our 2020 superlatives. So in our last episode, we did our favorites of the year. And this year, we're doing some different categories that are still notable books of the year, but maybe for different reasons than them being our favorites. Right. So I don't know that we really, like, is there anything we need to talk about, I guess? I don't know. Well, I think that that you had suggested doing this as a a different take on favorites. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I really love the favorites episode. And so because we control our world, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we can do whatever we want. So we did both. So we're doing both. Yeah. Yes, because there are definitely some that we'll talk about today that I obviously didn't include in my favorites, but they still meant something to me throughout the year. So I wanted a chance to talk about them. And I also think that in episodes, um, I think it was our our, uh, reading out of our comfort zone episode, or maybe it was the reading from our TBR episode. I mm-hmm. either one I get I from my my personal friends who listen to the show, I get a lot of feedback that they that people enjoy uh, or at least those friends enjoy hearing more of our um off the cuff discussions oh, of okay. of how we uh, kind of our not I don't want to say true opinions because it's not mm-hmm. as though we we are routinely talking about books we can't stand, but we try to be a little bit more neutral or look mm-hmm. for what uh, what will appeal to someone that maybe isn't us in a book Mm -hmm. and in those episodes we do a little bit more opinion um Mm -hmm. kinds of things and so i think that every now and then it's fun to say yeah this is a book that i didn't like and here's why yeah (laughs) so there's there's a little bit of that in in this uh in our list here yeah and so one thing i will say before we start is we're not going to spend quite as much time describing the books for this because this is really going to be more just about why they fit into the categories where right. we put them versus uh, a little bit of a synopsis of the book. So right. if you're curious about the books, a lot of these we probably have talked about in other episodes, or you could go look them up somewhere and read about them if you want to read a little bit about why we chose them. for right. whatever. And also anything goes on this too, because we can right. talk about things that we've discussed before or rereads or even bring up the same book twice on this episode heaven forbid (laughs) so (laughs) all right well let's go ahead and get started so i do you want me to read off each of the categories and then we'll share what our our choices are sure okay all right so the first category is the most timely book which is the the ultimate category for 2020 right because i don't know other years if we would have so much to pick from (laughs) No, we wouldn't have. So tell tell everybody what your pick is for this so one and why. I picked When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole because this was a year for racial reckoning in, mm. in this country and around the mm. world. And I feel like even the title of this one is just so perfect for mm-hmm. uh, what has been, for so many people, an eye-opening experience to to realize how much injustice is happening in in this country um, mm-hmm. to the black pop- population and other people of color, um, and so this this is a book that's specifically dealing with gentrification and the pushing out of of people from of black people from their own spaces. Um, but I felt like just even you know, which is obviously very timely for for this year and for decades and and Mm -hmm. centuries up Mm -hmm. up until this point but especially i felt like because of the title of of so many of us that are uh that would describe ourselves as woke and describe ourselves as being allies to to different marginalized communities to realize oh i'm not really paying enough attention and i'm not doing what i should be doing and there are so many things that i i claim to know about that i really don't know nearly as much about as I should. And so to mm-hmm. me, this was the one that in a in a really fun thriller package is actually hitting on a lot of things that needed to be said in in um, in fiction form. So that's mm-hmm. that's why I picked it. All right. Well, my choice is actually historical fiction, which is kind of funny that it's the most timely, but is it's The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. And it's the most timely to me because it was about the Spanish 
uh, flu epidemic. <laughs> so <laughs> it is very much felt timely because it's all about, it takes place in about three days, I believe, in a hospital where a nurse is dealing with patients that are very, very ill because of this uh, pandemic. So mm-hmm. um, obviously this was written because, I don't remember exactly when this came out, maybe in the spring, but it was written well before we knew what COVID right. was going to, how it was going to impact us. So it just, I think, just was coincidence, but reading it during 2020 felt very, very timely. And also a little bit comforting that people have been through this sort of thing before. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's fine. It was The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. Yeah, stuff like that is so weird when stuff comes out that's that's perfect. Like there was, I can't remember what it was, but there was a book that came out a couple of years ago that was all about the refugee crisis, but a historical yeah, um, like the Jewish refugees coming into right. the United States during World War II, or I, I don't remember mm-hmm. who wrote it, but it was mm-hmm. right in the middle of everything being, um, you know, around the world being being mm-hmm. focused on that, and it's just timing is so weird. So weird. <laughs> all right, next up, what is your most disappointing book? Uh, so I have two. <laughs> Um, so I just finished White Elephant by Trish Harnito, and I was so disappointed with it. It's It has a great blurb, and it does not pan out in any way that felt satisfying. And there's a lot of things that are promised in the, in the uh, blurb on the back that are very, very minor plot points that um, made it sound a lot more exciting, and it just wasn't very good. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my other, which I I wouldn't call quite as disappointing, but I still, for my expectations, was disappointed, was Mexican Gothic. Um, mm. That one, I said in my our preview episode that it was the, the top book I was excited for this year. And mm. um, I don't know if it's because I was reading a ton of French book at the same time that that sort of colored my, my view of it view of this book because Tana French's writing is so incredible and and it's it's just so much more than than plot um and so everything is going to kind of look pale compared to her Mm -hmm. but I still think that for as much as as much plot as was as was described on the back of the book that Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot in the language or in the the execution that made me feel like I was in that world. So mm-hmm. I was, I was just bummed out by how excited I was for that book. So how about you? My clear cut winner, <laughs> if you call it a winner, <laughs> is The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, yeah. which is so, such a disappointment. I mean, The Night Circus is one of my favorite books of all time. I was so looking forward to this book. And I just, I thought it was just kind of boring. Like, it just never really pulled me in. I just never felt engaged with it. So it just, I mean, it was the true epitome of a disappointment just because of how excited I was for it. I don't think it's a bad book. I don't think other people wouldn't enjoy it. It Just, I was so excited for it and it just really fell flat for me. So that's, um, that's the winner. I do have an honorable mention though, which is The Brightlands by John Fram, which was sold to me as Friday Night Lights, but with a mystery element. Ooh. And it, which Friday Night Lights is a TV show I love, love, love. And so I was so excited for it. And it it started out with a good premise, but then it went to a, a place that was a little bit of a horror aspect to it. And there is a little bit of a mystery, but it just went to a place that I didn't, um, I, it felt uncomfortable to me. I didn't enjoy reading it. So mm-hmm. that to me was just, again, expectation didn't meet reality on that one. I wanted more of the Friday Night, Light, Friday Night Lights part <laughs> and less of what I actually got, which isn't the fault of the book by any means. It's just what my expectations were. Yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate. I, I tried to read The Starless Sea at one point, um, I don't remember why, but I was off work that week and I just mm. could, I thought this will be perfect because I, I'm not doing anything. I have hours of, of time and I just mm-hmm. could not concentrate on it. But it was also in May and so it was kind of the height of COVID um, paranoia and, yeah. and like, you know, it was it was just a difficult time. And so I sort of wondered if that was the reason I was having a, such a hard time 
engaging with it but it, it mm-hmm. after talking to you i realized that wasn't the case that it's oh. it's just well yeah for not, me, it, yeah, yeah like there's there's i'm not the only one that that felt yeah. that way yeah 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 uh all right next up favorite reread yay i did a lot of rereading this year because mm-hmm. i was trying to read um favorite authors and um so my favorite i would say was the likeness by tana french this is actually the one i was reading when i was uh also reading mexican gothic mm-hmm. and um I go back and forth a lot on Tana French of whether I love In the Woods or The Likeness better mm-hmm. because they're, and it seems like people are usually in two camps of, of mm-hmm. um, feeling like one of those is her best book. And I, I don't know that I have an answer still <laughs> on that, <laughs> but I did, I have read In the Woods more than once. And this was the second time I had read The Likeness. And so for me, this one felt more like, more of a revelation to read Uh a second time where I, I felt like the first time I know I read it pretty quickly because I was leading a book club. And so I read it in in this course of like four days or something, which Uh um, it's always hard with Tana French to make that call because the plot is so exciting and driven and you're dying to know what happened. But then the language Uh is just so gorgeous that you're, uh, you want to take your time with it. And I'm definitely not someone who reads for language generally, but her writing is just Mm -hmm. so wonderful that um, you sort of never want to get out of that world. So, um, so I felt like I had a little, well, quite a bit more time to, to sit with this one and, and sort of take it a little bit at a time and really think about the characters and, and enjoy what she's setting up in this one. So, um, so this year, the likeness is my favorite, but in future rereadings, I don't know what, what will be the case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've not reread any of her books, but I the likeness is the one that sticks out to me as my favorite. Oh, really? Her. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I it's... it's so hard. <laughs> but I just it was it's such a premise that sounds completely implausible, but right. yet I bought into it totally and was so into that story that to me that that makes it a standout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's I I love. Now it's called Dark Academia, but I don't know mm. if it, what it was called at the time. But but those like here are a bunch of scholars yeah. with terrible things happening. That's yeah. that's a huge um, yeah. favorite trope yeah. of mine, and so I really enjoyed being in that setting. And I also couldn't remember a lot about the ending, and so I I did sort of feel like I was rediscovering mm-hmm. the plot all over again. So it was just a completely enjoyable reading experience. That's so fun. All right. Well, mine is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And I actually at first thought I did not have a reread this year. Right. Because I tend to just read for my committee. And so that doesn't really allow for rereads. But then I realized I did read this at the beginning of the year. And then I actually listened to it just recently as an audiobook. And so this is kind of my only reread, but it's also a really good reread. So I wanted to talk about it. It, it partially because this does not tend to be something I would think was in my wheelhouse because it's horror, uh, but there's humor there. It's set in Charleston in the 80s. It's about a bunch of uh, housewives who form a book club where they read true crime novels, and then there is this shady guy who moves in that one of the women becomes convinced is a vampire, and so she takes it all on herself to try to fight him. So it doesn't sound like my thing, but I really enjoyed reading it, and then the audiobook just reinforced that when I, I listened to it not too long ago. And I was actually a little concerned when I listened to it that I wasn't going to like it as much as I had the first time. But I thoroughly did. There was stuff I had already forgotten. Uh, I don't always have the best memory for details of books. <laughs> uh, and so there were things I hadn't, I didn't remember the general plot points, but there was a lot that I hadn't remembered. There's a, there's a time jump in the middle of a few years that I had forgotten happened. And I don't know, it just felt like a richer experience when I listened to it the second time I was able to catch more. It was also grosser than I remembered. There's some gross oh. things that happen, in that. <laughs> like, like gory, yeah. like gory horror stuff with vampires that I've forgotten forgotten about anyway so it's still kind of shocking that I actually enjoy that book and I was tempted to put it in my top 10 it didn't quite really but uh, yeah I just really enjoyed it It, partially for the novelty of it that it's not usually and because I I think I mentioned this when I talked about this earlier this year when I had read it this is Grady Hendrix is a favorite author among my colleagues and I hadn't I had read other things by him and I thought they were fine but they hadn't really 
sparked my interest. But then when I read this, I sort of got it. Like I got why they enjoyed Mm -hmm. him so much. So that was just a pleasant discovery as well. So, all right. So next up, uh, biggest surprise read of the year. I picked The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune because when you described this on on the podcast, I don't think I had paid any attention to it before that. And mm-hmm. so um and the way you described it, it it sounded good but also maybe not up my alley because you said it, you described several characters as cute mm-hmm. and that tends to not be my mm-hmm. thing. And so and just more of a heartwarming story and you know, I don't have a heart for those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I so I just didn't think it was it was really for me. But then I saw a lot of other people posting about it on Goodreads that are our personal friends who mm-hmm. are more cynical than than even I am. And so I and they loved it. And I thought, oh my gosh, if if this person thinks this is the greatest book they read this year and they're you know, have a super dark sense of humor and, mm-hmm. and, um, and usually go for horror, then, then this might be something that I should look into. And so I already had it on, uh, on my, um, to read list because of your recommendation, but then I, I moved it up and I just thought, well, I'll do this as an audiobook because that's kind of no harm done if it's, if it's not for me. And then I read it and I just loved it so much and, and it was completely, um, just taken into that world and and invested in the characters. And I think it does fit a really, it does strike a really nice balance of heartwarming and, um, (laughs) and not cynical, but, but just, you know, it has the antichrist in it. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it it fit what I needed right then. And so Mm -hmm. I, I just really enjoyed it and I was pretty surprised by that. So that's mine. I love that book so much. Okay, so mine is The Idea of You by Robin Lee, which I talked about over the summer. It is a romance about a woman in her 40s that has a relationship with a 20-year-old, I think, who a, a guy who's in a boy band. And I knew nothing about this book really beyond that. I picked it up because somebody I follow on Instagram recommended it over and over and over. And so I thought, well, I'll pick it up. And it was just such a surprise because it felt like First of all, I could not put it down when I was reading it. It was a not as fluffy of a romance as it sounds from that description. It, yeah. it delved into some of the more serious aspects of what would happen if you truly were in that kind of relationship about she has a daughter and who loves the boy band and how does that play <laughs> out and what does the press think and how do you have a relationship with somebody that's traveling around to different countries and being surrounded by other women all the time? So I, there was just more depth there than I expected. And uh, I just, it, I really, it just kind of surprised me because I just liked it so much. I didn't expect to, thought it would be a fun beach read to read. And it had, uh, I don't know, bigger impact than I expected. I think you talked about both of those books in the same episode. Which two? House on the Cerulean Sea and The Idea of You. Oh, did I? That's kind of hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, I may have read them at the same around this. I read, I definitely read the idea of you when I was on vacation. I may have right. read the house and the Sea at the same time. Cooktown. Anyway, okay, Anne, what was your least favorite book of twenty twenty? This is so scary. We've never done a least favorite kind of thing. So I think uh, if you've listened to past episodes, you would know it is Space Opera <laughs> by Catherine M. Valentine, which maybe should be the most. Um, or not Valentine. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think it's Valente. Valente, yeah, I, I spelled it wrong on my notes. Um, so this this maybe should have been my most, my biggest disappointment because mm-hmm. of how much I love Eurovision. And um, it just, it, it did nothing that I thought it would in not a good way. It was, it was so, trying so hard to be smart for the sake of being smart and um, I don't enjoy science fiction well enough anyway to mm-hmm. to feel like I got, you know, a good story out of it or anything. And it just, it didn't do justice to Eurovision. And I think that if you are someone who writes about how much you adore Eurovision in your, in your notes in the back of the book, that you should make it feel like it's a good homage to Eurovision. And it just felt like taking the idea of Eurovision and you know the very bare bones of it and and 
not really even playing out how that could be interesting. It, it just, to me, was complete, almost unreadable. In fact, probably unreadable because I think I skimmed most of it. So, Oh, yeah. I, I solidly skimmed the second half of that book. Yeah. Uh, all right, so mine. This was re- this was the toughest category for me, and partially because if I don't like a book, I tend not to finish it. Right. Which is not which is something rather new to me. I didn't. I used to always finish a book if I started it, but uh, if I pick up a book in within the if the first you know it's definitely with the first few pages aren't grabbing me, and I've I'm deciding between three or four different books to read at the moment. If it doesn't grab me and I'm setting it down, there's a possibility I'm never coming back to that yeah. book. I have so many books <laughs> in my house; like they might never, it may never come before my eyes again. So, uh, so that's part of it. And and also, I always, I think we both try to find redeeming qualities in everything we read. So right. I don't know. I just I had a really hard time with this one, but um, I ended up picking The Deep by River Solomon. As and truly, this is just my least favorite it's not again not a bad book by any means and I just think I wasn't smart enough to get it like I just wasn't (laughs) it just wasn't my type of writing it wasn't my type of story I think when I talked about it on the podcast I think I made that clear that it wasn't really for me but I encouraged other people to try it because I think that it is for other people so I think that I just what I this was a book that I feel like would have really benefited from discussing with other people or mm-hmm. having more insight into what was what was tr- what was behind the the premise of it or something I don't know because it is based in historical fact so I feel like I just came at came to it too cold <laughs> as far as knowledge um, and that then all the factors just played into it not being my favorite book of the year. But uh, I do still think it has, it's an intriguing premise and I do still think it's very cool. And I like the story of how it's morphed from a song into a different kind of song, into a book, into like, it's all these different things. So I think that it's still very cool. But as far as a reading experience, I would say that was my least favorite of the year. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard on these kinds of things because you, you want to just be, almost go with your first impression of what to like what is the most true for all of these categories yeah. and so you can't just be like well there's other stuff that's you know a worse book right but you enjoyed more you have to just go with for you personally what right. was your least favorite well and like we talked about when we did our best of list i had a really good reading year i read a lot of great books and then even the stuff that i read that wasn't top tier it was still fine like it yeah. wasn't a terrible waste of time or anything and this wasn't a waste of time either. It just, it wasn't my favorite book to read. Yeah. So, all right. Next up, what was the best distraction that you read this year? Oh, so many were needed this year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I picked The Air Affair by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, which is the sequel to one of my favorites. I think one of your favorites too. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the Royal We that came out five years ago, I want to say, ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This one, I didn't like this as much as I love The Royal We, but it still was everything I needed to be reading right now. It was it was a fun story and dishy and um, full of like London locations, which I love to read about and look up on maps and things like that. So um, it and it was long. And so it just kind of brought me into that world and I was happy to be there again. And um, it really was needed to have a book that just sort of didn't require a lot from me, but also didn't feel completely like these are are really smart women who write really, really fun, snarky, um, very intelligent characters. And so to be reading those, that kind of dialogue was just, just felt perfect for right now. So it was, it was a gift for this year. Yes. Yes. I've talked before about what I tended to gravitate towards, which were romantic comedies and thrillers. So the way I viewed this was the book or books, I actually chose two because I couldn't decide between the two of them, (laughs) uh, that when I sat down to read them, I didn't want to get back up off the couch until I was all finished with them. Right. And so the two that I chose were Paris is Always a Good Idea by Jen McKinley and All Adults Here by Emma Straub. And I believe I've talked about All Adults Here, which is a 
dysfunctional family story about a family coming together over a summer. And then uh, Paris is always a good idea. I'm not sure if I talked about, but it's um, a romantic comedy about a woman who decides to kind of uproot her life after her father tells her he is marrying somebody that he's known for two weeks. And she looks at her own life and thinks, I need to do something because my life is really stagnant and not going where I want it to go. So she decides to go travel to Europe and revisit three men who in her earlier adulthood she had fallen in love with. And so that's kind of the premise of the story. And it was just such a great distraction. It was so sweet, so funny. It, uh, pulled me in and didn't let go and same for all adults here I just absolutely loved it like I like I said both of those books I sat down I think on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and just read the whole thing so oh fun yeah and yes this year was definitely a year that we're where a book that could distract you from real world events was always welcomed I think yeah for sure all right sort of in the same vein of that uh I had a little mini reading slump, which I actually think came because of some of the books that were selected for either the off of my shelf, like off, <laughs> off my TBR shelf, or out of my comfort zone. I don't remember which one. Yeah. I, I read three books that I wasn't thrilled about. Um, and so it's the book that ended a mini reading slump. So I don't know if you had a mini reading slump or a bigger reading slump or any slump at all, but uh, that's the next category. This one was really, really hard for me to pick because I feel like this year was almost entirely a reading slump. So it was, but also I didn't have a lot that I hated. I just had a lot of like three star kinds Mm -hmm. of reads. And so I picked Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan. And I don't know, I I still wouldn't say that this is one that I loved. Um, This one probably could have fit just as easily into the, the best distraction um, category mm. as you said because it it's not like I gave this five stars or I would say this was that I, I read this obsessively it's just that I came I had maybe five or six books in a row that were on the three star like lower three star um, the, uh, range that I kind of felt like I was just getting done because they were fine and I wasn't disliking them enough to quit them but this one was was one that just was very um, light and frothy and I liked that it um, it was taking from um, uh, A Room with a View and I felt that was fun to sort of see the parallels with that book and um, I don't know just it, I, I love lots of brand name dropping in books even mm-hmm. even though Kevin Kwan like can very much feel like he's he's uh, putting a lot of fluff into his books because of that but it I was I was completely there for it in this case so um so this one was tricky because I I uh, for the books that I really really loved they weren't part of a slump it was just mm, I loved right. those books so much so I was like oh, I can't pick those um but this one was was just one that sort of hit at the right time for me so mine is like I said it was just a little mini reading slump for me where I had a few kind of ho-hum books and so mine is Would Like to Meet by Rachel Winters and it's this romantic again romantic comedy about and it's all sort of based on uh, movies like the tropes that you see in movies and books about romantic comedies and again like you said just hit at the right time was not the best book by that I read this year or anything like that, but just such a delight. I just loved reading it. I loved spending every second with the characters. I thought it was just a joy to read. And it it sort of brought that feeling back like, oh, yes, I love to do this. I love to sit and read a book. Yeah. Uh, and, and just be in that world for a little while. So that yeah. was fine. Um, all right. Then we have Better Late Than Never. What is the book or author that was that you finally got around to reading this year? So I don't know if anyone else would say that this is this should count, but um, I read On What Grounds by Cleo Coyle, and it is a cozy mystery series that's kind of a like one of the top tier cozy series. I would say she's she's I think she wrote this book in two thousand, so it's been around for a long time, and she's still publishing books in the series, and it's just always been on my list. And I was so surprised by how much I like I liked this book because I'm not a coffee drinker. I've never had it. I will never have it. And I shouldn't have thought this was as much fun to hear about the coffee shop world as I as I did, but um, I was just very intrigued by it. So it's a, a it takes place kind of strangely for a, a cozy mystery. It takes place in uh, Greenwich Village in New York, and that's that's just kind of unusual. They're usually small town kinds of settings, um, and so the mystery was 
very meh. It wasn't anything that was great, but I just thought that she sort of captured all of the world building that that makes cozy mysteries so appealing to me. And so this is one I've just, since I've gotten into cozy mysteries about the time that this book was written, and I've just always had it on my list and never got to it. And I uh, decided to do it as an audiobook and was completely enchanted by it. So So it's kind of strange, but that's mine. And yours, I am so shocked by because I thought thought you had read this author before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's why. So mine is The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan. And Courtney Milan is an author that I've heard about for years and years and years. She's very well known in the romance world. And she writes super wonderful heroines and they're feminist and they're just great. And I don't know. I had just never gotten around to reading one of her books. I think I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. Anyway, I read The Duke Who Didn't this year and I absolutely loved it and immediately thought wanted to figure out how I could read her other books uh, because she does historical romance in a way that feels fresh and new and interesting and uh, has diverse characters and reflects modern values in a historical setting. So it was just wonderful. Um, And now I can't wait to read more by her. I totally did a double cake when I saw this on the on the list because I was so sure you had read her before. No, 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 no. It's the first time. Awesome. I know. All right, so Anne, what book has stayed with you that you read this year? I picked When We Were Vikings by Andrew David McDonald, and I talked about this before. This is a book that's about a woman who um, has, I think it's it's fetal alcohol syndrome. And so she, this is one that I, I honestly, I picked up because of the Viking angle, <laughs> because I like Vikings. And I think that if it hadn't had that side to it, I would have just, it would have been a, a book that existed in the world that I wouldn't have been particularly drawn to. But I've thought about it a lot since I read it, because the the character um, has a, a de- developmental disability, and it's told from her perspective. And so there's just a lot of things that happen in the book that she either doesn't fully understand or things that are sort of um, done to her where she she has to live with people's decisions and um, doesn't have the the ability to sort of work through what those decisions mean to her life and and it is again not something that I normally would be drawn to but I I was very um, taken by this character and taken by the the journey that she has to go on to sort of become the, the woman that she wants to be. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of shocked that this one stayed with me as much as it has, because it's not really my style of book at mm-hmm. all. But I've thought a lot about I think I read it in March or something. I thought about it a lot since then. So yeah, it was a good one. All right. So I have two again. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> I, the first one I thought of for this category was Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. But I think part of why that book stuck with me, and not to take anything away from it, is because other people were talking about it throughout the year. I listened to a couple of podcasts where they talked about it. My fa- some of my family members read it. So I felt like I was coming back to it at certain times of the year because it was being re-raised in my consciousness. So then I would think about it or talk about it. And, and I still think it's a it's valid. It really has stuck with me. I remember a lot about that book and it was very thought provoking. And I think um, it was one of my favorite books of the year. I talked about it in our last episode. So, um, but the one that was more of a surprise to me that has stuck with me is Florence Adler Swims Forever by Rachel Beanland, which is historical fiction about a Jewish family in the 40s who one of the family members passes away. Uh, She drowns as she's swimming and she has aspirations of swimming the English Channel and is out practicing one day and she passes away and they decide to keep that uh, a secret from her sister because her sister is uh, in the hospital. She has a high-risk pregnancy and they don't want to do anything to disturb the pregnancy or disrupt the pregnancy. So it's all about from each character's perspective, kind of how they deal with it. And for some reason, just the it's really stuck with me. I think about that book often. I just think about different characters from the book. I think about their voices. I think just generally about kind of the feeling I got when I read it. I really liked it. It was kind of a quieter book, which I think, you know, I like sometimes Mm -hmm. quieter books that are more about 
the characters and their relationships to each other. And it's just, it's really stuck with me. And I think part of it is I haven't heard a whole lot about it. And it makes me a little sad. I wish more people were talking about it because I think it was uh, one of the standout books for me as far as historical fiction goes. But it's it's historical fiction in a way that isn't, it's because it's more about the characters. I'm not sure if it's something that somebody who wants a whole lot of historical knowledge would really be drawn to because right. there's not a ton of that but it's very evocative of a, a specific time and place so so yeah that to me is the one that has stuck with me in a way that I wasn't expecting when I read it yeah that one's funny because the the um our publishing rep presented that to us as one of the standout books of the season and mm-hmm. you're right I haven't heard a lot about it and it it's mm-hmm. just sort of strange because it it definitely had a push behind it but it's yeah. I don't think it says anything about the quality, but maybe just no. because it's not as as flashy as um, of a story as some others, then it's... Right. And I think, you know, this was such a strange year. I'm yeah. not sure if... I'm not exactly... I think it came out maybe at the beginning of the summer, but it's not really like a beach book, and right. even though it takes place in the summer. So I don't know. I just think maybe it hit, hit at an off time or something, but yeah. that's the one that stands out to me. All right. The next one I love this category. Books that we didn't <laughs> think we'd like, but then we did. <laughs> um so i i picked the duke and i by julia quinn which but i have a caveat on that because as we have personally discussed there's something that happens in this book that i hated so Mm -hmm. much and so i'm not i'm not going to say this book specifically but i guess the bridgerton series i would but i haven't so i'm listening to the second book right now so (gasps) i didn't feel like i could say this is the one that I right, right. like it didn't feel quite like it, it fit with the rules of, of our arbitrary <laughs> discussions. So <laughs> oh, but so that one I I don't know that I can say I like the Duke and I because I I really, really hated that plot development, but mm-hmm. I like the world that she's building. I love the conceit of the the um scandal rag that mm-hmm. is oh, um, so sort of framing everyone's experiences in the book and so and and because everyone has bridgerton fever right now right i've been really excited about that and of watching the show and and um it's actually really funny because i belong to a bunch of jane austen groups on facebook and and like period drama kinds of groups um and lots of people are all up in arms about how this isn't true regency and and oh, it's boy. like it's it's pretty ridiculous and so um so I'm I'm I didn't think I would like this because I I typically am not, you know, a huge romance reader. So mm-hmm. but I also am not anti-romance anymore and so I I didn't know that it would be something that I would hate, but I just I I was like, okay, I'll give this a try cuz everyone's so excited about this the series mm-hmm. coming out. So it was it was a so the the series is a pleasant surprise for me, I guess. I'll say. That's I feel fair. like I keep That's giving fair. caveats on that's fair. No, I yeah, that book has that problematic scene is so problematic that I think that it I understand why you're giving that caveat. But yeah. I can't wait to watch that TV show. I'm so excited. I can't well, I guess you've been traveling, so it makes sense that you haven't watched it yet. But and I haven't watched well, it either, so Yeah, and I don't think it's really Jeremy's thing, so I'm gonna have right. to find a time to watch it when it's it's, it's just me on my own. Yeah, so, yeah. Kick wait. him out. I'm not gonna kick him out. <laughs> Uh, okay, so mine is so I was I was really sure that this was going to be some science fiction book that oh I didn't think I was going to like it but then I did but I didn't really like any of the science fiction books. <laughs> I mean there were some that were okay that but I talked about the the one actually was the Human Sun which I just talked about a few oh, weeks yeah. ago which but that I I knew going into that just based on the premise that I thought I would like that because it was a very much me kind of science fiction book so anyway so i picked a mystery actually and this is it's called fortune favors the dead by stephen spotswood and it's not that i didn't think i'd like it i get i didn't think i'd like it as much as i did so i'm sort of morphing this category is i thought it was just going to be a fine historical mystery and i loved this book it was so great the characters are so good the mystery is really good and as soon as i finished it i just wanted to know if there was there were going to be more in the series i mean you're pretty sure of the way it's set up that yes, there will be, but I don't know. I just thought, oh, I hope there's more to this. I hope I get to read about these characters again. Um, and there, it just it was very snappy kind of writing, great atmosphere as far as the historical elements. And again, the characters were awesome. So uh, that was the biggest, that was the book that I felt like, 
not that it, again, not that I didn't think I would like it, but I just thought, okay, just another historical mystery. And, and it just took me by surprise, I guess, that I liked it as much as I did. What's, what's the time period on that? Uh, the 30s, I think. Oh, okay. Let me go look. Yes, I think it's the 40s. 1942. Cool. All right. Next up, what was the best read of the year, in your opinion, as far as quality? Oh, War and Peace. <laughs> you just wanted to brag that you finished it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. Because what do I? What am I supposed to say besides... Like no, that's true. What, I know. What else can you say? I I no, considered uh, some Jane Austen, but I think you know as much as I love Jane Austen, the scope of War and Peace is something that you just can't can't deny. So that's accurate. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so mine, I think, is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which I talked about before. But I thought this was so complex and layered and memorable and um, makes it the best. I think it's a, a an enduring book. I think it's something yeah. that people will come back to for years to come. So that is why I picked it as the best read as far as quality goes. Not to take away anything from the other books I read. but No, uh, but one right. of them has to be the best quality. Like, we I have guess. to pick one. That's the point of superlatives. <laughs> okay. Um, Except what we don't your... pick one. We keep picking multiple. <laughs> we keep picking three. Okay. <laughs> What was your favorite non-book media property of the year? So I have two for this one. So my okay. first one is Eurovision Song Contest, the song, the story of of Fire Saga. Um, which have you watched this yet, or did you guys? We did. Watch it? Yeah, we watched it a while. I ago, can't remember yeah. if you told me or, that you did or not. So, so this was the gift for people who had their hearts broken when Eurovision was canceled this year. So for me, and. It was such a shocking, like, I've known about this movie for a while that it, it's been, it's been coming out. And I, I do like Will Ferrell movies. It's not as though I was like, oh, I don't know how he's going to handle this. I felt like he, in his interviews leading up to this, he talked about how he's been a fan of the contest for 20 years and his wife is Swedish and how um, he watches it every year. And it, I didn't think that it would just be some random American saying I'm going to take this this thing that Europe does and make fun of it. And and that's what I was afraid of, that it would just be like, uh, you know, as much as I, I, I am watching Eurovision for a lot of mockability, but I also truly love it with every ounce of my heart. So so I was afraid of, of what balance it would strike. And it was the perfect balance. Like, it's heartwarming in ways. There's good, like, quality songwriting in it. And it, I thought, struck the balance between being goofy and being um, heartfelt in a really sweet way. And so I've seen it, I think, three times now because I've, I've watched it with various friends um, who are watching it for the first time. And I have cried at the ending every single time. <laughs> so um, I just, uh, to me, it was, it, and, it, you know, a lot of people really liked it this summer. And it just felt like this this kind of reprieve from a lot of things that were disappointing this year. So so that's my number one. Um, and then the second one is anything that Sarah Cooper put out, um, whether that's her uh, TikToks or her um, comedy special on, on Netflix. Um, if you don't know who Sarah Cooper is, she is the comedian who um, was, you know, a very small comedian, a very minor comedian who started doing um, lip sync parodies to Trump speeches and she just put them on t- TikTok. I think the very first one was about, um, uh, it's called How to Medical, and it's about exposing yourself to light as a um, cure for coronavirus and uh, various other things. And she just uh, takes President Trump's words and lip syncs them to, you know, various images of, of things. And and she's she's truly if anyone has had a a better 2020 than any other year she's the person because she took this um very small project that she was doing during quarantine and and has had a a phenomenal success with that and um i didn't love her special as much as as i love her tiktoks but i really really love her tiktoks so that was um something that was a bright spot this year i thought how about you so for me, I have two TV shows that stand out to me. Uh, the first is Normal People, which is based on a book, which I've talked about both the book and the TV show yeah. already. <laughs> uh, but I loved it 
with my whole heart. It was so good. I cried and cried at the end. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum was a TV show called Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV, which I had very little expectations for and absolutely adored it. I felt like it was exactly what we needed in 2020. It is this funny, sweet story about a college football coach who is hired to coach a football soccer football team in <laughs> England and it's sort of like major league that movie the the owner has gotten the team in a divorce settlement and it was her husband's pride and joy to have this team and so she has brought him in basically because she's convinced he's going to run the team into the ground and ruin what her ex-husband loved. Um, and it's with Jason Sudeikis who plays the main character of Ted Lasso and again just so sweet so funny and there are some great characters and I it was a total shock to like it. I didn't know anything about it. It's based on like a commercial or something, I think. Uh, oh. they, they did on, I don't know, somewhere. Now Jeremy that you say know. that, I I remember that. I, I NBC? It's an, it was an NBC like sports commercial or something, right? Or just yes. NBC, yeah. So low expectations for like a... <laughs> Uh, eight or ten season comedies season based on uh, a, a commercial property, but it was really delightful and brought made me smile pretty much every episode. We, and we would watch it on Friday nights with the Great British Bake Off. <gasps> Fun! Oh, that sounds was, so it was like cozy. the perfect night of television. Yeah. <laughs> and that so those are my two. Yeah, there were lots of good good media things this year. Like there were, there were a, actually other ones I thought of after, but those are the two yeah. that stand out to me when it's, I thought back. You know, a terrible year. No one's saying that it wasn't, but it's it's yeah. helpful to think of bright spots. I would also like to add that Taylor Swift dropped two albums completely unexpectedly throughout the year, so th that's an honorable mention. For me oh too. yeah, that has to. Be Although mentioned. I still haven't listened to her second one, but I will someday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, what was the book you recommended the most this year? Um, I've talked about this many times. It's A Deadly Inside Scoop by Abby Collette. Um, I, as I think, I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or if we just talked about it personally, but it, it's one that it isn't the greatest book that's ever been written. There are things I disliked about it, but it just felt so special to me to have mm -hmm. um, a mainstream uh, publishing house publish a book. A cozy mystery with a black mm -hmm. author, uh, or with by a black author with a black protagonist, um, and it just it was it was a really exciting development this year for me. And I uh, kept telling people about it, and then I just posted a picture on our Facebook page. My sister and I went to Chagrin Falls and got ice cream, and um, looked at the spot where all the action happens in the in the book. Um, unfortunately, they had everything closed off, so we couldn't go down to the river itself because it was tons and tons of snow all over the place and so um we couldn't do sort of everything we wanted to do by by going to chagrin falls but it was a really good time and and so that i think is my number one um i've also talked about unmarriageable quite a bit to to various people that's by sonia kamal um which is the pride and prejudice retelling that takes place in pakistan and um because i attended so many online conferences where she was a speaker it just felt like i was constantly talking about this book to people so yeah, so so two books that I I think I, I I definitely was gravitating toward. Obviously, I I had both of them downloaded um, outside of you know any events or anything like that. But I just keep talking about them to people, so they're very fun. Yeah, so the three that because <laughs> I have three yeah. uh, were <laughs> all ones I talked about in my favorites of the year. So no surprise that they're the ones I also recommended to people the most. I do think Vanishing Half fits in here, but I also think that got plenty of buzz beyond me recommending it. So right. it does, it, that sort of felt like unnecessary. Uh, but they were Codename Helen by Ariel Lahan, which was a World War II historical fiction about a female spy. Um, this one I think I recommended so much be because I would preface it by saying, I know you probably don't think you want to read another World War II book, but believe me, you want to read this one. <laughs> um, and then A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate. This was sort of my go-to when somebody wanted, especially I have friends from uh, high school and college who basically we only keep in touch now on Instagram uh, or Facebook, and they know that I read a lot, and so they'll reach out to me for book recommendations. And A Good Marriage was one that I felt pretty confident that somebody who maybe doesn't read 
a lot, but wanted something fast paced and to grab their attention. That felt like a good, solid recommendation for them. And then, of course, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune, which I just can't shut up about because I loved it <laughs> so much. It's thanks um, to you recommending it that I read it. So Yay! Yeah. I know. So great. All right. Well, that is it for our 2020 superlatives, which is, I love that. I love doing that. Yeah, uh, so We much will fun. be right back with what we're reading this week. All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? What is, your, is this your la- going to be your last book of 2020? No, I actually read this uh, on my way to Christmas driving. Oh, okay. so, um, so I finished it a while ago or a week ago or so. Um, but it, I would have put it in my top 10. And so I wanted to be sure to talk about it before um, the year was through since, since we recorded our top 10 before we were technically finished. Mm-hmm. with reading everything so um this was everything leads to you by nina liqueur and i have yet to read anything by nina liqueur that i haven't loved so um i was i had high expectations for this one and they were definitely met um it's about a girl named emmy who is 18 and she's in her, her the very end of her senior year of high school and um she actually doesn't attend high school very regularly because she has an internship as a set designer on um, Hollywood films. And so it's kind of actually a little hard at the beginning to understand her age because it seems crazy that she would be that young working as a set designer, but she's she's doing this through an internship. So she um, is struggling during the internship because she she has to go to work every day, but her ex-girlfriend who is very manipulative um, is also working on the same set. She's someone who's a little bit older and um, got involved with Emmy and they, they have had this very um, torrid relationship, but her ex-girlfriend, I think is named Morgan. She has broken up with her six times. And so they've just, and, and you know, subsequently, said i miss Mm -hmm. you can we get back together and Mm -hmm. so this so another breakup has just happened and so emmy is is trying to make sure that she doesn't um fall for this trick again even though she wants to go back to morgan so she is scouting various estate sales to look for um items that can go on this film set and she goes to uh she's told to go to a certain house and she realizes that it's the mansion of a recently deceased film icon um, who is kind of a, a John Wayne type. He has starred in in all kinds of iconic and, and classic uh, westerns. And so she goes to this house and and um, you know does the thing that things that she needs to do for her job and collects a bunch of, of items. And so she and her friend Charlotte are going through some of the the items that they've they've um, taken from this house. And one of them is a record. And and Charlotte really likes um, old vinyl records and so they're listening to a patsy klein album and a piece of paper falls out that says if you're if, if you're finding this that means i've died and please deliver to this certain address and so this this starts this not a, a scavenger hunt but kind of at the beginning it feels like one of trying to track down the woman who is um listed on the front of of this envelope and so they they go to this house and they she's not there and so they have to figure out how to um continue this trail and eventually through lots of things that happen they come across a a a young woman also 18 named ava who is she she's gorgeous but but seems troubled and she has kind of an unconventional life that she's trying to um uh, work through some issues that she's had and so because of of this kind of strange beginning um emmy goes on kind of an emotional adventure it's it's not like there's you know lots of hijinks or anything that happens but there's a lot of ups and downs to their their um relationship and because nina lacour writes these books that that are kind of romances but but just much more deeply felt than than um they are really plot driven. Um, there's just this this really great sense of like a bittersweet sense to these books. And I also just really love the worlds that she builds because she's she takes these spaces that that could be sort of shown as 
um, more glamorous or more exciting than um, they are to the people that work in them. But to the outsider who's reading about them, they seem very glamorous. And she just makes them very human and very interesting. And so in the past, she's t- she's covered academia and and just spaces that are, are very interesting to me personally. And so um, I've said before that I really like behind the scenes of Hollywood things. But this one is less about the flash of, of Hollywood that I typically am drawn to in those types of books and more about the people who are trying to keep everything running in the background that are typically overlooked in sort of the the small stories that um, that make their life so rich. So that is uh, Everything Leads to You by Nina LaCour. I feel like I've read that, but I don't remember. <laughs> as you were describing it, I didn't think I read it based on the title, but then as you were describing it, I thought this sounds awfully familiar. I think it was a fairly big YA book when it came out. Yeah, um, it was on my list already before I, I just happened to, I mean, I, I knew I liked her books already. And then mm-hmm. I was just looking for something to listen to while I was driving. And mm-hmm. um, and since one of my goals this year was to listen to more own voices, LGBT mm-hmm. stories, then I thought, oh, this is a, a go-to author for me mm-hmm. to, to read more mm-hmm. of her stuff. And so, um, so it was, it was just, it was kind of perfect driving, um, like driving through the night kind kind right. of story because it's just very right. quiet and not not anything dramatic or or big plot um reveals or anything like mm-hmm. that it's just it's just a lovely story so nice. yeah i really liked it all right well what i'm reading this week is the eighth detective by alex pavesi or pavesi uh, it is a mystery. It's about it's sort of like one of those books within a book, which I love. Yeah. Uh, it's about a woman named Julia who's a book editor who travels to this remote island to visit an author who's kind of become a recluse. And he wrote a series of short stories back in the 40s, I think. And now they're going to be releasing uh, the 25th anniversary edition. And so she has gone because she needs to write a an introduction and so she wants to talk to him uh, in order to write the introduction but she's also noticed some discrepancies in some of the stories and so she feels like she wants to get a handle on if they need to um, sort of brush up on maybe release new revised versions basically to fix some of these inconsistencies and and make them more seamless Uh, so the way the book is set up is that the chapters alternate between the actual short stories in the collection, and then Julia talking to the author about that short story, which is a cool a cool way to read a book about a book. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool way to read about the stories is to actually be able to read them. And uh, what's what's strange though as you're going along is you start realizing, and Julia starts realizing that it doesn't actually seem like the author even really remembers the inconsistency he keeps saying he did it on purpose that he put them in on purpose and saying yeah i'm glad you noticed that i was curious if you would notice that but he doesn't really have a reason why he put them there or it seems to julia he doesn't even really know that he did put them there like there's something just kind of off when she talks to him about the stories that she's just not sure that he's telling the whole truth and that becomes apparent throughout the book um it's, that's all I'm going to say because there are kind of some twists that happen. I'm very, very close to the end. So I don't want to give too much away about what is revealed through the conversations she has with him. But just know that every story has something to do with the larger, m- more modern. It's not modern because it takes place in the 60s, I think. But, you know, the more <laughs> current storyline um, than the the short story collection. And I think this would, I think actually you, have you read this? I haven't yet. I've okay. I so think you might really like it because it takes, so the whole idea, I don't think I said this, is those short stories were written based on an academic paper that the author had written about the mathematical definition of a murder mystery. So he had this theory that every, de- every mystery ha- had certain components to it. And so there was uh, where the victim is a suspect, where the detective is a suspect. Like he has all these different kind of permutations of what can happen in a mystery. And he says there are only a certain number that can happen. And so then each of the short stories is a representation of what he has theorized are these 
possibilities, and that it's all based on this mathematical thing. So, um, so as somebody like you who really likes mysteries, I think you would enjoy this because it's really diving into a lot of the tropes that are evident, especially in classic mysteries like Agatha Christie uh, and those Golden Age mysteries. So I think that you would really like it. It's all about the craft of mystery writing, how you put together a story. And what's funny is you know very early on that these inconsistencies happen. So then you're reading the short story, trying to figure out if you can spot what then is going to be revealed in the next chapter oh, when fine. Julia is talking to the author. So it's sort of great for puzzle lovers, uh, mystery lovers, I think would really enjoy it. It's, 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 a, it's a fun one. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's The Eighth Detective by Alex Pavisi. That's one that was I was so excited about and then kind of just completely forgot about it. So I'm glad that you reminded me. Yeah, it's good. It reminds me a little bit of the 13th tale, but oh, with okay. much more of the mystery element to yeah, it. But it's sort of the same idea. It feels very magpie murders too, and so is mm-hmm. it like a like a weird combination yeah. of the two of them. Okay, so I don't think that we really need to go back and list off all the books that we cuz then I don't Yeah, that I sounds don't obnoxious. Think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, so thank you all for listening thanks for a great year here's to a much better uh, 2021 for everybody in the world and here's to a good reading year Uh, if you want to get in touch with us to share some of your 2020 superlatives of your reading year we would love to hear from you Uh, or just give us we just got a book recommendation from a listener we love that too oh so so fun reach out to us Um, and or you can suggest a topic you'd like us to tackle in 2021 that would be great Uh, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook Twitter or Instagram at wellreadpodcast please rate and review us wherever you find your podcast because that really helps other people find the show our theme music is kitten by poddington bear we keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode we also put them in the show notes that you should be able to see on your podcast app uh that was just a question that came up recently from somebody so and puts them right in the description of the episode so you should see what books we talk about there as well except that time i forgot except that time she hadn't but usually she does (laughs) and still have forgotten i have to go back and do that (laughs) Uh, but thank you all so much for listening happy reading and happy new year happy new year